This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to MLB Extras, the Milwaukee Brewers edition. I am Allison Footer. I'm here with my good friend Adam McAlvey to ring in 2019 by answering some questions about the Brewers. Adam, Happy New Year. Let's just start right off with what uh, what would you say the Brewers New Year's resolution should be? Well, look, unlike me, and I'll go out on a limb and say you and everybody else who we all make resolutions to like do things better in the following year. I think the Brewers' resolution might be to just kind of like be just as good as they were in 2018. Um, you know, they were one win from the World Series. So if you can, you know, maybe be that tick better next season, and that would be a, a good year. But but really, if you think back on their 2018, so many things went right for the team. Um, breakouts like Jesus Aguilar at first base makes the all-star team, and Christian Yelich uh, gets, comes over in a trade, and overperforms the expectations, even, even the best expectations to become the NL MVP. All the young pitchers that took these big steps forward as the Brewers got into the postseason and managed their pitching creatively. David Stearns made way more good moves than bad. You know, so I think it's, it's like, uh, again, unlike all of us who, who kind of resolved to do things differently or better or make these wild claims that we're going to go to the gym 10 times a week, I think the Brewers want to go to the gym just as much as they did in 2018, and they'd be very happy with that. Just one one more victory, and they'd be very happy. Yeah, so that brings me to my uh, next question, and I have to be the devil's advocate because that's just part of who I am. Um, that you need to tweak a little bit, right? So you said, like, Aguilar had this great breakout season, and Christian Yelich overperformed. And so don't you have to sort of prepare a little bit to make kind of some little changes to – to compensate for the fact that you really can't maybe depend on that uh, to the degree that they took some of their performances and that you have to maintain a little bit and add in order to be able to be in that position where you are, you know, close to the world series. Yeah. And look, I think they will add before it's done. Craig council has this line usually in, in spring training when we show up on the first day and uh, Allison, I'm sure you've experienced this covering teams too, where, you know, you ask the manager, 16 different questions about what the team's going to look like on opening day. And, and council will always stop us and say, like, I promise we will have nine players on the field on opening day. They will all be in uniform. Uh, there will be 25 of them on the roster. You know, like we don't have to do all this today. And I think that is kind of the mantra now that they've taken into this off season that they, they have a good core. They have a lot of players who are, under club control that was part of the uh, reason, for example, that they got Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich was they got them each for five years. So they have this core built that that is not going anywhere, but they will augment that. And, and look, they made, you know, they only made two moves, only brought in two new players before New Year's Day. It was Alex Claudio, the reliever they picked up on the last day of the winter meetings from the Rangers 
And then, um, you know, they made the trade for Ben Gamble right before Christmas. So they'll have another one here in the next couple of days. They signed Corey Spangenberg, a utility guy who's been with the uh, Padres. So these are not major acquisitions, but they are tweaks to what they feel is a good club. And there will be more. You know, we'll probably talk about second base in the grand tradition of 2018-19 MLB.com, Extras, Brewers, whatever it's called, podcasts. And, you know, they'll pick up starting pitching candidates. There are still so many players out there on the market in time to do it. And while we are all sort of impatient for action and we want things to happen, the GMs now just operate with a much slower heartbeat i think than in years past and these moves are getting later and later and later and later into the off season and even into spring training so allison i agree with you that you cannot just stand pat and expect the same thing good things to happen all over again but i think there will be moves that happen as they augment this group and then one other thing not not to ramble but one other thing i think that's with a team like the brewers and they're not the only club in this position that is built around a lot of young controllable talent is that talent theoretically gets better. Like for example, the young pitchers who really made names for themselves in the postseason, guys like Brandon Woodruff, remember he had a homer off Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS Corbin Burns pitched some really big innings down the stretch for the Brewers. These are young players who are just dipping their toes into the big leagues. Burns just last year, Woodruff the last two years, Um, And there are a number of players on this roster that are kind of coming into the primes of their careers. And Christian Yelich should be in this group too. He's 27 now who who have the possible, who have the opportunity to improve your club just by moving forward in their careers because they're not on the downside yet. So I think that's another thing that's kind of happening. And and I think they're going to be counting on that, particularly on the pitching front next season, as they look at ways to get better, I think they're going to have to, find ways to coach their own players uh, to be better and take that next step in their career. Yeah. A good, a sign of a good team, of course, is that they don't have a ton to do. They don't have a lot of fixes to make. And I think the Brewers fall into that category. The big question and really one of the only questions seems to be a second base. It sounds like Davis is not uh, wedded to any particular person in this, in this scenario. So how do you see this shaking up? Well, look, that is, if you're a team that needs a player or has a hole on its roster, second base is what you want it to be because that's arguably the deepest area in free agency. And and there are also, you know, many different players potentially available in trades, some of whom have already started to move um, and in both free agency and trades. But when you look at what's available, there are still lots of players out there and the Brewers are in a position, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that they need a kind of a stopgap. I I was reading a a Washington Nationals article this morning, and the Nationals are kind of in the same boat. Teams that have prospects coming at a position will sometimes try to find a guy, a a good player that'll get you through a season or maybe even less than a full season. So if the Brewers sign a guy like that, um, you know, look, Brian Dozier is a name that's out there. Ken Rosenthal again, linked into the Brewers this morning. And I think any any veteran second baseman that's in free agency has drawn interest from Milwaukee and Dozier is one of those guys. Um, that's a player that you could bring in and it will allow their prospects. It's Keston Hero, the Brewers' top prospect, and Mauricio Dubon, another prospect who's um, coming back from knee surgery and has been fantastic on Twitter, sharing his workouts and 
seems you know motivated to say the least to play a part on the big league club at some point in 2019 the brewers have already said neither of those guys will be on the opening day roster but they're coming so the idea is to find a stop gap at second base i think it's going to be someone they bring in from the outside i've been saying that all winter and as the winter kind of wanes i still think that's going to be the case but they do have they could kind of platoon the thing with some of their internal candidates especially once they get spangenberg uh, in for a physical and get that deal signed he's a lefty bat you could try to platoon it as well, um, but I, I still think with the abundancy of, of options that are out there, I think they'll bring someone in at a reasonable price and, and bridge that gap. So that that's probably, if there's a big move for this club to make, that's, that's pro, to me, still the most likely one. Yeah, I think that the patience of general managers, the, the generation of general managers that we have right now, I think that's part of why this offseason seems to be um, – just it seems to drag a little bit. I used to say, and I, I think I said yeah. this off season that uh, you know players they like to be signed by Christmas. They if they're not if they're still yep. where they're going to be playing by Christmas and they start getting a little bit on edge and it's really not good if they go into January without a team. I think I have to stop saying that right because while uh, there, I, I mean I, I just don't think that it's as stressful as it was even maybe two three four years ago if a guy's not signed. No, I think and part of that is uh, that there's examples of players, really good players who've signed really late. Jake Arrieta last year, he didn't maybe get the deal he wanted ultimately, but he, you know, he's, they're doing okay. The Arrietas probably had a very nice uh, Christmas and New Year's as well. They should because he's a really good player. And, you know, he was a very late sign last year. So I think as there's more examples of players that go that route, it's maybe a little less stressful. And the one thing, uh, Allison, I know you know this as well, it's not the player that wants to sign by Christmas usually. I mean, sometimes it is. But really the ones you have to worry about are the families. And it's really difficult for the families because they are the ones who have to, you know, the, the nature of the thing, they're the ones thinking about the logistics and where are we going to live and um, how are we going to deal with the kids when the kids start school? How's that going to go? And um, all of those questions fall very often on spouses and, and grandmothers and whatever members of the family that players have helping. And it can be a really tough time. And I think that's, a lot of times when a player signs early, he's more relieved for his family than he is for himself. But again, like a lot of that's changing now where um, there, there is a, a great deal of patience in the game. I think all sides are looking at this thing a little more analytically. And the one thing we talked about before the holiday with uh, me and Danny on this podcast were um, the, the reactionary moves seem less and less to me, where it used to be like, and the Yankees and Red Sox is the ultimate example where the Red Sox make a move, then the Yankees would answer. I think there's less of that now. Mm -hmm. The teams do what they think is best for themselves, and they look at it much more analytically and less emotionally than maybe in years past. I may be wrong about that because I'm not sitting in those offices. I'm not part of those conversations, unfortunately. Um, but it's it, that, that seems to me part of what's happened in the game lately as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think just the fact that you hear, you know, little rumblings and rumors that the two New York teams might be willing to deal with each other, the Chicago teams might be willing to deal with each other. This kind of old school, I don't want to say old school, just um, that kind of that feeling of, well, we can't, we are not going to yeah. deal with another team in town. I, I yeah, think that the like a, generation doesn't care. Yeah, a lot of things used to be done on gut. Um, and I mean, look, mm -hmm. still part of this game is gut because you can't quantify everything and, uh, you know, the, the best analytics can't give you all of the answers. So part of this is still 
there's always going to be some human element to this thing, but it just seems to me like there's less of it. And that is part of what is, um, you know, making the, the offseason. And look, we're lying if we don't say it's also that the sums of money being thrown around are enormous. And that's also a factor that if you're going to make a decision, you want it to be the absolute right decision. And if that means waiting a couple extra weeks and pushing this thing toward spring training, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I liked the um, the answer that you gave to to somebody who asked about the opening day starting rotation and everybody wants starting five going to be. And, you know, it's funny in my days of beat reporting. I mean, I, I believe that I was a contributor to questions like that, because like you said, we do show up at spring training on the first day. We've got a million things that we want to know and a ton of things that we ask the general managers and those things have to work themselves out. But I, uh, it is important to remember that you don't need five. You're probably going to need 11. You're not, you don't need 25 men on your roster you're going to need 40 by the time the season's over so that's a that <laughs> that is something that we all have to keep in mind and you did you listed 11 guys that are probably going to be needed but I wanted to ask you do you think that they would add a, a Sonny Gray or a Dallas Keuchel I you know Keuchel being out there I he, he would be a good fit for a lot of teams would he would he be a fit for the Brewers well I keep saying no to those types of acquisitions for this team because I, I've laid out elsewhere their, their payroll situation is not as fluid as it was last year when they added uh, Kane and Yelich. And with Kane, Yelich, and Jolie Chassin, they were committing more than $150 million in future contracts, guaranteed money to those guys. They're not in a position to do that this winter. Now, the problem with saying that is there's always exceptions to those rules. And if you find yourself as a team late in an offseason – a free agent interested in coming to, you know, where you're at, you know, maybe you do stretch the budget for a guy that, you know, you you feel like you're getting at a relative deal that can help you. So Dallas Keuchel would, would help the Brewers. Um, You know, Corey Kluber would help the Brewers. And there's been talk of, I, I think both of those pitchers and more because again, this Brewers team they made it to game seven in the NLCS last year with Jolie Chassin as their number one starter and sort of Johnny Holstaff after that. I mean, Wade Miley was very good for the Brewers down the stretch, but you, you saw what they did in the NLCS where they pitched him for a batter and then pulled him and pitched him the next day again. That's not something you do with Justin Verlander or Dallas Keuchel. Um, they were a, a club that was built on pitching depth and creativity and a good bullpen filled with a multi-inning guys and they made it really far in the tournament last year so that's how they are built right now to go at it again and kind of push the limits of how far you can go with that during a 162 game regular season in the national league which is key um so that is that looks to me like how they're going to go about this and as you said they've got a lot of candidates that could fill those innings um but if if we get late in the winter, Keuchel hasn't found a home, for example, um, that price, the, those years maybe come down a tick. And, you know, you, a team like the Brewers that's been supported the way they have by the fans, um, you know, I think it's something they have to at least look at. And I think it's something they will look at. So I can't say no. I just still feel like a, a, a big name ad like that, a big money ad, it, it to me seems unlikely. Yeah. Okay, Adam, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening to MLB Extras, the Milwaukee's Milwaukee Brewers edition. We will talk to you next week.